Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. We are so grateful that you've joined us this morning. I'm one of your hosts, Brad Gray. And I'm Janine Bitson, and we're just so blessed to have you join us this morning. It's another beautiful day to just soak in the truths of our faith and to be built up by the love of God and His mercy and His plan for our lives. It is. It is. Every day is such an important day that we grow closer not just to getting ready for Jesus' coming yeah, this Christmas, you know, right. what a beautiful season of Advent we're in. Yeah. But that we just really are more intentional about our faith. Absolutely. And I love that the church does give us this liturgical year, which continuously refreshes our the, the way that we approach our faith, the way that we approach the Lord, you know, to, to help us have these different seasons and to, to constantly be renewing um, the reality that we live in the life of Jesus. Yeah, in every season we have in the church, it always begins in prayer. So mm. let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord God, Almighty Father, Creator of heaven and earth, please help us as Catholics, as Christians, to be more intentional about our faith the world is full of so many troubles and sorrows, but we know that the truths of our faith are all we need. So help us to be really intentional this day and throughout the rest of this Advent season as we prepare for your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Janine. Well, we stand, you know, on this in this stream of faith that's come down to us, you know, certainly for the 2,000 years of uh, since the incarnation, the life of Jesus, but going all the way back down to the, the creation of time. And, and it's, it's, you know, the church is constantly urging us to go into the scriptures to learn our story. And I think that's such a, such a powerful part of our Catholic faith is that we live in this rich, tradition, this legacy, and are just... And, and to add to that, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, ahead. but to add to that, you know, when you look at this day and age and you look around our globe and the solidarity we need to have with our fellow Catholics yeah. around the world, our fellow Christians, it is just so important to to know our history. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's just very important because we learn from history, we grow from history, both the good and the bad, but... Um, there's so much good. Yes, absolutely. And we are, speaking of the, the history and the legacy that we've received, we are joined, first of all, to start this off this morning by Jack Canelli. Good morning to you, Jack. Good morning. Happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. Uh, so, Jack, you are on the, the board for Real Presence Radio, right? I am. Um, but you also do other things in your life, and you've done many things, and you've got a, a project that you're working on right now. So could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and the project that you've uh, recently been involved with? Okay, well, uh, the, the project, as you call, that I've been recently involved with is actually a three-year project. That's still recent. Yeah, and, right? and, 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 and that one, that one is done. I'm working on my garage now. Okay, that's <laughs> well, let's talk about that. That's my that's current right. project. That's what I was doing yesterday. Yeah. No, I, um, I work, I was, uh, for 10 years, I was the um, vice president of mission for SMP Health Systems. Hmm. SMP stands for Sisters of Mary of the Presentation, 
And I think at the outset, I'm going to make a distinction here for those people who grew up in Fargo in the surrounding area. <laughs> the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation is an order of sisters that started in uh, officially, seven, I think it was 1828 in Bron, France. These are the sisters for the local people that ran the school in Wild Rice. Hmm. And uh, you know they, they they came from France, and their their uh, their uh, uh, provincial uh, mother house is in Valley City, Maryvale. Some a lot of people are familiar with Maryvale okay. as a retreat in uh, a retreat center. Uh, these are to be distinguished from the sisters of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which are the <laughs> sisters from Ireland that most of us from Fargo who went to the Catholic schools had for teachers. Right. So it's an entirely different order, but the, the names are deceptively similar. Yes. And, 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 you know, for short, we always call them the presentation sisters. Right. And so I, I wanted to make that distinction up front so that people will understand, you know, who it is that we're talking about, because, you know, I don't want to be attributing, uh, I don't want people thinking that, you know, I'm talking about the sisters that they grew up in Fargo. <laughs> sure, yep. <laughs> because and, and, cause I worked for SMP Health System, I think I had been there for about four years, and uh, I was talking to my brother, and he thought I was working for the other, <laughs> the other sisters. <laughs> it is confusing, as you say, so That's it's right. helpful yeah. distinction to start off yeah. with. Yeah, so I was uh, getting back to your question. Yeah. <laughs> I was the, I'm, was the vice president of mission for about 10 years, up until about a, about a year ago. And now I'm, I'm kind of <clears throat> quasi-retired, and I now have a different title called the vice president of strategy. Mm. But uh, as the vice president of mission, uh, you know, you're trying to perpetuate and foster the mission of the organization. You know, mm. And in our case, it's a Catholic health care system. We have... Hospitals in Botno, Rolla, Harvey, North Dakota, and one in Spring Valley, Illinois, and mm. we have five nursing homes. Uh, we have uh, one in uh, we have uh, Ave Maria Village in Jamestown, Cheyenne Care Center in Valley City, uh, Mary Hill Manor in Enderlin, and we have Rosewood on Broadway and uh, Villa Maria in Fargo, and we mm. also have a home care operation in in Spring Valley, mm. and so. Uh, and it all started with the sisters. But in order to understand the mission, I've always maintained, you really have to know the history. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know because a, a nonprofit organization is driven by the mission, as opposed to a profit, you know, for-profit yes. is driven by making profit. Well, in the nonprofit world, you know, you have to make money, but the money is to support and foster the mission. In mm -hmm. our case, it's health care services, you know, to these communities. And when you look at where... A lot of your nonprofit healthcare organizations are located, particularly the Catholic ones. You know, they they didn't do feasibility studies before they went into Botno, Rolla, mm. or Harvey, or Spring Valley in Illinois. Usually, it was a matter of the local priest or a local doctor thinking we need to have a hospital mm. here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and and the sisters were available, you know, to uh, to wow. start them. So anyway, uh, with this understanding of trying to understand the mission. I thought we need a consistent way to tell our history story. So, uh, fortunately, the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation kept a, a, a real uh, uh, detailed written history. Mm -hmm. And so I had several volumes of three-ring binders with the written history. Some of it had to be translated to English from the French because it came over from France. Mm. And um, and I started reading it, and it, it it was really interesting, and it was really kind of fun. 
And so I thought, okay, and this was um, you know, about uh, starting probably six years ago or so. <laughs> I started uh, putting out a, uh, about every week or every two weeks, I'd put out just a very short uh, email message called Pieces of History. Just a little piece from their written history, kind of explaining, you know, some interesting events or some of the interesting people, you know, to kind of, you know, show where the company came from by describing, you know, the sisters. And uh, that's how it started. And after I, I was getting some positive feedback on this, you know, and people were saying, gee, you got to make a book. And I uh-huh. thought, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> and then after I got about... 20 or 30 of these pieces of history, I thought, you know, maybe that's not such a bad idea. <laughs> I wish I had thought of it sooner because, you know, in editing this thing, it was a lot of work because, you know, you take these various assorted pieces and then you have to try to put them together in oh. some sort of a coherent whole. And writing a little one-page uh, blurb and then trying to connect it into a book. There's a lot of editing oh, that sure. had to go yeah. on. So, you know, and it was a it was a long project. It was something that I I, I did in connection with my job, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was kind of in between, you know, other things that were going on. And so I probably it probably took about three years to actually compile the whole thing. But mm-hmm. it was a labor of love. It was fun. I got to go to Maryvale into the archives and looking at old photographs and you know, kind of gathering mm-hmm. old photographs and stories about those. And um, the, uh, the the it's, the history is just you know like I say it, it was fun <laughs> and some of it you know like the the sisters who wrote it I'm not the author of the book I'm the editor okay because I, I basically I took excerpts from the written history but it, it's interesting though because the, as the sisters who were writing the history. And they were anonymous sisters. Okay. It was just somebody who was, I suppose, the superior general said, you know, hey, you need to write us up. <laughs> oh, here. sure. And uh, it, sometimes you just see something in there. For example, one of the first things was um, the, the first two sisters, Louise and Laurence Lamarchand, were two young women in Bron. And after the, uh, the French Revolution, the, the church was basically in shambles. Mm-hmm. And Father Jean-Cham Fleury was the pastor in Bruns. And he was looking for two young women that would help him to uh, help care for the poor and also to teach catechism to the young children. And these two women, young women, you know, kind of had a desire for a religious life. And so for several years, they kind of lived under their own rule that he kind of wrote up for them. But he did not want them, for some reason, to become, you know, uh, religious sisters in the canonical sense. Hmm. But after a couple of years, they finally convinced him. And uh, and so they got to take, you know, formal vows, if you will. Hmm. And the, the way the history writer puts it is, and I'll just read from the book if it's okay, the head of the parish had just recognized and set up this new religious community of which he still rejected the idea less than two years previously. Hmm. The Lamarchand sisters humbly won over their pastor. What woman wants, that God wants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's the deal. Now I get it. Yeah. He's a married man. You know, there's also some French uh, gastronomical, or um, maybe, uh, maybe that's not the right word, <laughs> snobbery in here, too, because oh. there's one story where the sisters were cooking, and they came over at the request of the Holy Ghost Fathers. Okay. And we're uh, cooking at uh, one of the schools, and apparently they were having some trouble. But they said some, she said something about the, um, 
Yeah, the sisters soon became aware that French cookery is not always relished by Americans. The attempt <laughs> of our best cooks, their simple and wholesome seasoning, did not satisfy all tastes. Little by little, however, whether the sisters, while learning the language, learned the customs of their new land, or whether these good Americans came to acknowledge the superiority of French cooking... <laughs> The fact is that before long, the whole college was in praise of Sister Goodeal's excellent pastry. Oh, that is... <laughs> Isn't that wonderful about history? I mean, yeah. you get uh, some insight to the individual personalities and yep. and traits. Uh, their personality is just really cool. But right. then also what they sacrificed yeah. and did for... Oh, the, 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 the sacrifices were phenomenal. And that's where... Where where, the, where I think the the history really gets interesting is at the the, the turn of the century. Uh, there was there was a uh, an anti clericalism was rising mm-hmm. in France. I mean, this is the country of the Enlightenment, right? And it was kind of a, a, a progression. We're almost seeing some of it now in our own culture. No, as far as never they, 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 the, the the sisters were basically. The sisters used to teach in the public schools. They were taken out of the public schools. Hmm. And then they were told, the, the sisters who were nurses in hospitals were told they could not wear their crucifixes while they were working in the hospitals. Hmm. And so what was happening is, you know, they were all going back to the mother house. Well, you know, you have, at that time, they had, you know, nigh unto 700 sisters in the order, but they didn't they couldn't accommodate them all in the mother house. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, what was happening, eventually the French government disbanded all the religious orders and confiscated their property. Mm. And so what that does, the sisters had a choice. They had to have to go somewhere else in order to maintain either their status as daughters of Mary. That's one of the names they give okay. them. And also, um, or forsake their habit and go home. And so at the turn of the uh, 19th century, the early uh, 1900s, when you know you had a, you know you still need, had a lot of immigrants coming in. Well, what did we need? We needed hospitals that we could take care of immigrant populations a lot of times, and schools as well. Mm-hmm. And well, guess what we had? We had teachers who were our sisters who were teachers, <laughs> and we had sisters who were nurses, and they needed a place to go sure. in order to maintain you know their their religious vocation. Yeah. yeah, and so it's kind of like how God works in such. You know, when you look at it from kind of this global mm-hmm. perspective, there is a certain providence to what was really a, a sad event going on in, in France. Wow. Yeah, and God can make every cross turn into a resurrection. And, and how incredible the lives of the sisters that came to the Americas and what they've done. But we have to go on a quick great break, track, Jack, but we'll be right back with Jack and Ellie to talk more about the book, A Piece of History, about the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with an end-of-year gift planning tip. With the end of the year approaching, a charitable gift can help you support our mission and receive tax benefits. In addition to gifts of cash, here is a gift strategy worth considering. Gifts of appreciated assets such as securities or real estate are an excellent way for you to help our cause. Securities may be transferred directly to us, while real estate is transferred through a deed. 
These gifts will not affect your cash flow, and they provide the following tax benefits. A charitable deduction to help you save on taxes, a bypass of federal and state capital gains taxes, and an avoidance of tax on net investment income. To learn more about these strategies and the benefits of making an end-of-year gift, please call or visit our website today at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are having a great conversation with Jack Canelli, uh, who works with the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation. And Jack's been sharing with us a little bit of the history of the sisters, what's, you know, how they were founded and what's brought them over to the United States. It's, it's interesting Jack, as you were talking, I, I had a class when I was doing my master's at the Augustine Institute. Actually, my first class that I had there was on the formation of uh, the evangelization of the ancient world and formation of Christian culture. It's a very long title for a class. But it was, it was great because the way that they approached history was not so much what we do in you know, contemporary Western civilization, which is just like, let's talk about the wars and the economics and the kings and, and just follow that line. They would do that, but they would also talk about when you have this particular moment in time and this, this turmoil, who were the religious orders that were there? What, what, what were they praying? What was the spirituality of the time? And showed how that helped to shape the flow of history. And um, you were just sharing about how the sisters, that, you know, where their origin came from. And a little bit on the break, you were telling us a little bit more about kind of the, the dynamics that brought them to the United States uh, as far as the the Enlightenment and, and wanting to cast the sisters out. I'm curious to, if we could just kind of carry that forward and then see how, how that ties into where we are today. Well, it, uh, it ties into where we are today. Well, not so much the, the they were really heavily into the teaching. But sure. it was, uh, uh, you know, now, it, it, you know, SMP Health System, that's also, it's part of, the sisters' history is mm-hmm. the history of our organization yep. as well. And that's, you know, kind of the tie-in. But, um, you know, the way that the sisters were kind of dispersed, mm-hmm. you know, toward these various locations you know, for the various schools, usually it was a matter of, you know, the local priest, you know, saying, I need some sisters, uh, you know, to operate this school. On the break, we were talking about the sisters came in 1902. They went to Kenora. Uh, it was called Rat Portage at the time. But uh, now it's Kenora. And they had four sisters, and um, 
things weren't going very well there. They, they weren't really prepared for the climate, uh, the, the language, you know, particularly with the, uh, the native uh, uh, population there. And so they were there for one year, but then they got a, they, they got a letter from uh, a uh, priest in Wild Rice, hmm. North Dakota, who wanted to have sisters to run the school. And he wanted, you know, French-speaking sisters that could teach math, music, and I can't remember what else. Hmm. And it was exactly the same what the sisters' qualifications were wow. who were up in, in Rat Portage at the time. And they were more than happy to come down here, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, to start the school. Uh, in uh, our hospital in Spring Valley, uh, the sisters had a connection with the, uh, because there were so many sisters coming, they had a connection with the Holy Ghost Fathers who had seminaries and colleges, and the sisters would come and work for them and, you know, kind of do some of like laundry and housekeeping tasks while they learned, you know, their English. And uh, uh, the, the, the priest uh, in, in, uh, in Spring Valley uh, must have known one of the fathers, mm. and he said, you know, they, 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 he connected with them, and they said, well, the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation, you know, have been really good about this sort of thing. And so uh, he made the connection with uh, the mother house in Brown and said, you know, I'm trying to establish a hospital. I could use some sisters to help me. And uh, that's how they ended up in uh, in Spring Valley. Mm. They had a they had a, 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 a great immigrant population there uh, because of the uh, the coal mines, and they needed they, they needed they needed to have a hospital in order to to sure. care for the miners mm. in Botno, North Dakota. Father, uh, no, Monsignor Andrew, he realized that um, uh, they could probably save a lot of lives rather than having the doctor getting in his horse and buggy and going out to the various. You know, mm-hmm. to where the patients were, the farmers in particular, they could save more lives by having a hospital. Mm. And so um, he contacted the sisters, and uh, that's how they ended up in Botno. This, mm. this is the short story. There's a, it's a lot more interesting mm-hmm. than that. So were the sisters already in, in health care at that point? I mean, because it well, sounds like there's a transition. Well, they had the hospital in Spring Valley, and they had the hospital in, uh, well, well, Botno started, okay. I think, what did that start? 1923? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, we... They've been around for a long time. I mean, in 1902 to Canada, and then they migrated down into the United States in mm. 1903, and that's kind of when they they went to Spring Valley as well. Okay, and then um, they had uh, then uh, let's see. I think they started the hospital and the hospital in Harvey had kind of a long checkered history for about 20 or 30 years with just kind of failures. Mm. At one time, it was used as uh, I think they used it for classrooms for the local school for a time. Hmm. But then the uh, the sisters took it over in uh, late '30s, early '40s, and uh, they've been running it ever since. And in um, Rolla, North Dakota, Presentation Medical Center, I, 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 the the dates are failing. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even remember my kids' own birthday. <laughs> I have to I remind you about that sort of thing. So, but uh, in, in Rolla, the um, I think that was kind of in the early. I think in '39 they they kind of started the the groundwork for okay. it, and the hospital I think opened in the early '40s. But uh, that was another one where you know the uh, the I think the community wanted someone to operate the hospital, and somehow uh, at that time Bishop Minch 
okay. got involved. Wow. And, and that's how the sisters end up there. But they they didn't do feasibility studies. <laughs> they went where there was a need. Yeah. Uh, you know. and, and isn't that just amazing? You know, yeah. when you look back in the history, I know even St. Joseph's in Moorhead, you know, the Benedictines have such a great impression in this area as well. And that was started in 1880. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just this mm-hmm. huge flux of religious sisters that came into our area and that are part of our history yeah. really in the whole 10 yeah. diocese area yeah. is just phenomenal what yeah. they have done for our areas uh, another favorite part of the history there, there's so much to talk about here so i'm kind of i'm afraid i'm Love kind it. of jumping around uh, no it's no it's wonderful at the same time the sisters you know were, were migrating into the you know the americas uh, world war one broke out hmm. And that was really interesting because the the decree of dissolution, where the sisters basically got their property confiscated and thrown out of their their convent. I mean, it was like it was like this would make a great movie. Oh, really? It was it was like at six in the morning. The the police had been surrounding the place on horseback. And this is where and now? This, this is, is in Bro. Fran- this okay. is in okay. France. Yeah. A torrential downpour. They have a lock pick with them hmm. in case they don't open the door. And they, you know, and so at 6 a.m., you know, they did, that was the time they were going to go in, and they did. And they, they, nobody answered the door, so they picked the lock, bust the door open. And uh, one of the things, uh, one of the young sisters had died that morning at 3 a.m., and she was lying out, and they busted into that room. And they, they talk about how the, 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 the police who had come in kind of just stopped in the doorway, really? and it was like, whoa. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not real comfortable with this, <laughs> but you know, eventually they, 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 the sisters were evicted. They had made arrangement with a wealthy family that had an estate on the island of Guernsey, which was a British hmm. uh, island, at a uh, a boarding school there, where they were allowed to move there and kind of establish their novitiate. But within two months, I think it was after the sisters had been evicted and moved to the island of Guernsey, World War One broke out. And so what does the superior general do? She goes back to France. She goes to the War Department. She says, you need nurses. I can help you. And I also know a good place for a hospital. And so the convent became complementary hospital number 42. And when the sisters went back, they were responsible for basically going into the town and getting all the townspeople to to donate linens and pillows wow. and blankets and you know they were responsible pretty much for getting the place in order and within just a matter of days you know they get a telegram that they got about 150 some soldiers coming in from the front oh my. and so for 4 years the place operated as a hospital wow yeah, talk, talk about forgive and forget. Yeah. Move forward. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the history says they were fiercely French. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, here they have the government that basically boots them out, and they're going back and say, "We'll help you." The the superior general said um, they 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 took compensation of like two francs per day, hmm. and she said uh, at one point in time after the war was over, she said, "I would have taken nothing." Mm. Except oh. for their having confiscated the property. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, but, as a director of mission, Jack, this had to be something that was kind of formative in in what you do. Like, to, what, what are some of the things, some of the themes that you gleaned from your research? Well, uh, I, I think you know, and this is kind of what I hope people pick up who who look at the book. And you know, and the, and I'll say the the book is really written for 
the company as a uh, for fostering and education for our mission hmm. and understanding our history and where we came from. Uh, I think that uh, what I'm hoping people see is the the sense of well the the sense of mission of the sisters yeah. and the sacrifices that they were willing to undertake and their reliance on God. You know, mm-hmm. which we as an organization have to do, yeah. Because you know we're in a very competitive, you know, difficult environment, and you know, and so, and reimbursement being what it is, you know, you're running on thin margins. Yes. And so uh, we pray a lot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, it's such an important ministry, and is the book for sale? Does that well, can that help support uh, I wish the it ministry? Was for sale because it would be a lot easier for me to be here, kind of pitching this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not. It's 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 not for sale. It's it's really an internal document, um, you know, for us mm-hmm. for um, carrying the story of our organization and the sisters who started it, mm-hmm. carrying that forward. So then as far as, I mean, is it something for your donors that they can get access, uh, you know, of the book? Or how do you distribute it? Well, we've given a certain number to each of our ministries. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and then we have some extras. But, it, you know, mostly it's like for new board members that come on board or, sure. you know, uh, you know I- employees, like if we have to hire a new CEO at one of our locations and things like that. Or just like get that. Jack back for uh, Real Presence Radio to get more of a, an overview of what, what we got in there, right? Yeah, right. Well, you know, the... the um, yeah, I, I I wish I could say it's yeah. available yeah. for purchase. Just call, contact me, and we'll take care of it. Sure, but it's uh, it's fantastic. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing this this history, this legacy, this this drive of mission that has compelled the the sisters of Mary of the presentation, Jack. Thank you. Sorry. This has been fun. I wish we had more time. Yeah, but I, we always know, feel that yeah. way. It's but not it, your friend yeah. on radio <laughs> time. Yeah, exactly. But it definitely helps to stir our audience into, you know, going out into the mission field themselves, you know, just like the sisters did. Yeah, responding mm-hmm. to the call of Christ. It's, right. It's uh, unique and individual, yeah. but it's universal. Yeah. Right. The, the, the faith of the sisters is just absolutely outstanding, you know, uh, that you see in this book throughout awesome. the whole history. Well, thanks so Thank much for being so with much, us, Jack. Jack. We're going to have to take a quick break, but up next, it's called to serve, not to be served. Stay tuned for the story of how a local couple was led to serve the church in a special way. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 